1: Greetings, everybody. Welcome to the next episode of the Unstoppable Profit Podcast. And as we were discussing before we started, um, I am super pumped and excited about this episode of the podcast. We've been talking uh, recently, uh, Mr. Oakland McCullough. Welcome to the podcast, sir.
0: Oh, thanks for having me, Mike. I've been been really looking forward to this show.
1: Yeah, yeah, me too. And since we first met via Zoom and got to know each other a little bit, uh, Lieutenant Colonel, retired, Oakland McCullough uh, now is out there giving back to society and teaching them everything that he's learned about leadership. And I can't wait to dig in because uh, if you've ever heard me talk about this particular subject and my travels across North America, working with independent insurance agents, business leaders, there's two things that are constantly in need of training, improvement, moving up to the next levels, and it's leadership and training. And we were talking about that when we were getting started this morning, right? Yeah. We're all in need of constant improvement of leadership and training, right?
0: Yeah. I mean, leadership is is a journey. It is not a destination. You know, you don't wake up one day and you're the best leader in the world and there's nothing else you can do to get better. If you think that, go find something else to do because you're not going to be a good leader anymore. I don't care how long you've been a leader. You can always learn something new.
1: And, and things keep changing around us, right? So that's another reason for the need to constantly improve in society. Uh, I'm sure you've observed the same thing I have, we'll say in the last three or four years, looks different than it used to, right? Not just a little, huh? <laughs> and so that's another reason we need to continue to improve and shift. Sure,
0: sure. absolutely. Because because it's, it's a never ending thing. You know, Change. the one thing that's constant is change. Change right. is always gonna happen. Yeah, I don't, you can hate it all you want. You can fight it all you want, but it's going to come. And and so you, you got to get yourself ready for it. And the only way to do that is to continuously improve your, your skills and your knowledge and your abilities.
1: 100% agree. Three things are certain in life now, right? Death, taxes, and change.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Let's jump in. Every organization needs great leaders to be higher achieving and successful. So- you believe that servant leadership is the place to be and the place to start and what we want to endeavor to be, correct, sir? Correct. I do. I, I believe
0: that the best leaders are servant leaders, and I've had plenty of examples of that. So why? Because you take care of the people on your team. Mm-hmm. And if you take care of the people on your team, then they'll go that extra mile for you. They'll do the things that they wouldn't normally do. You know, they'll still do what you have what they have to do because you're the boss, And there's a difference between a boss and a leader, right? but you're the boss. And so they're gonna do what you ask them to do. But if you take care of them, if you're really a servant leader, then they'll go that extra mile. I tell, you know, in the last 16 years, I've been doing recruiting for Army ROTC in one way or another. So I have had my hand in producing over 550 second lieutenants, leaders for the Army and the nation. And I walk up to every single one of them the day they get commissioned. And I say, look, celebrate today. Today is all about you. But just remember, now that we've pinned those bars on your shoulder and now you're a leader, it will never be about you ever again. It's about your people. It's about the mission, what you got to accomplish. It's about the army. It's about the nation. And then if we have time, we might talk about you maybe. Because I always tell them it's not about you and it's all about you. It's not about your title or your privileges or your pay. It's all about how you treat the people on your team and how you run your organization and and how you empower the people on your team to be better not only better performers at work but better people so i think you know and i've had examples of that in my life where i've had leaders inside and outside the army who have uh taught me that being a servant leader is the best method
1: i 100 percent agree with that so as you travel the country now teaching businesses and others to be better leaders based on your experience can you think of a couple of examples
0: of of good servant leadership uh that you've observed yeah well I mean I'll start with how I my the first people who were servant leaders to me and they right. were both in high school uh-huh um, my f- basketball coach Coach Wiki, um who understood that it wasn't just his job to produce good basketball teams it was his job to produce good young men who were going to go out there and be good citizens and fathers and productive members of society. And he did a great job and I stay in contact with coaching his wiki. Um, and in my high school teacher, history teacher, who, um, who understood the same thing that his job was not just to teach us history, but was to, make us better people. And he's, he's the reason I majored in history in college and I still stay in contact with him as well. Um, but, you know, I, I think I, I was just at a company uh, in May that, uh, and about 500 people in the company. Um, and, and this guy understood, I mean, when I started talking about servant leadership, I mean, you could tell, I mean, that was what he did. And you could tell from the reaction of the people in the audience, that that's the way he led because they were shaking their head. They knew that that's, that's the example that they've had for the last however long they've been with that company. And some of those people have been with that company for 20 years. You don't keep people in a company for 20 years. If you're not, if you don't treat them right um, because they'll, they'll leave. And I think that's a a huge reason why we're seeing this huge resigna- re- resignation in America, in the business world today, just people leaving businesses because Nobody's taking care of them. And, and if you're not taking care of them, they're going to find somebody who does. I think it was Richard Branson who said, train people well enough that they can leave, treat them well enough that they don't want to leave. And that's that's what servant leaders do. They, treat people, they train people to standards, they give them all the tools they need to be successful, and then they treat them well enough that they don't want to leave that organization.
1: Trying to get that one written down, that was a, a gold nugget treat them well enough. They don't want to leave. Fantastic. Train people well enough.
0: Yeah. Well, you and, and just talked treat to...
1: them well enough. They don't want to leave. Oh, tra- right. train them well enough.
0: They can leave. That's right. So, you know, and, and you just mentioned it, you just talked about training mm-hmm. and training development. I, I, you know, I don't know how many times I've gone around and I, and I've had some, uh, a president CEO, leader in a company say, well, that person's not meeting the standard. I said, so what's the standard? Mm. And they tell me, I said, so now show me how you've trained that person to that standard. Uh-huh. And they can't. And I said, so how are you going to hold somebody to a standard that you haven't trained them to? I said, that doesn't make any sense. I said, you got to train people to the standard that you want them to meet. And then you got to hold them accountable for that. But you have to train them to it before you can hold them to it
1: fantastic it makes me think about something i heard from one of the speakers at our recent boot camp uh walter bond who said i'll hear what you say but i'll trust what you do yeah absolutely and and part of that doing is the training you've got to show them the way they're silently waiting to be led right
0: that's right you know and my i learned that at a young age my father used to tell me from the time i can remember he'd say son if you do say one thing but you do another, it is your actions that will be believed, not what you said. Mm. And, and and that is absolutely true.
1: Yeah, holds true 100%. So servant leadership, fantastic. I'm going to piggyback on something that you also said, and thank you for the examples. You talk about empowering people to be all they can be to create the legacy that they leave for the organization. Right. Okay, and you, you kind of mentioned that briefly expand on that for us.
0: Yeah. So I, I, I define legacy as two different, has two different parts and and legacy to me is a huge part of leadership. And that's why I named my book, what I named it, you know, your leadership legacy because it's so huge and it's two. Diff- it has two parts to it. A very small part is what you actually accomplish. And that does that is part of it because in the real world, results do matter you know in fantasy land where everybody's a winner and everybody gets a trophy maybe not but in in the world we live in results do matter so that's a small part of your legacy and I say it's a small part because when the new president or the new leader or the new CEO comes in they're going to start their own they're going to turn that company that organization into their own and your legacy is kind of gonna kind of kind of go away right. in that sense but what your real legacy is, of your legacy probably is the next generation of leaders that you are producing who are going to then produce the next generation of leaders and the next generation. So if you just go on what you accomplish, your your legacy is going to be five, 10, 15, 20 years, probably at the most. If you go on the legacy of the leaders you produce, you could have your legacy lasting for 150, 200 years because It just goes with that generation to generation. And I really took that to heart. I always believed that. But I was running my Army ROTC program at the University of South Alabama, and uh, where we were producing the next generation of leaders. And a guy who worked for me, and I say he worked for me, he was probably a better leader than I was, um, Master Sergeant David Powell, one day we were talking about the significance of what we were doing, the importance of producing that next generation of leaders. And he looked at me and he said, sir, you know, great leadership handed down from generation to generation is what develops great nations. Mm. And I thought to myself, what a powerful quote. And I wish I could take credit for it, but I can't. Yeah. He said that. And and but you know what the most powerful part of that quote is that you can take that word nations And you can substitute it for anything you want, family, church, business, university, food bank, hospital. It doesn't matter because every organization needs great leadership. And that's how you develop great organizations is by passing down great leadership from generation to generation.
1: And I'm sure you've heard of John Maxwell as well. One of the things I've learned from John Maxwell is that's the goal of an organization is to also build up leaders around you.
0: That's right. Because if you don't, then you're going to spend time doing things that you don't need to do. And that goes to the empowering people. Right. Because if you if you train people first, you got to train people, then you got to empower them to be able to do the things that you're asking them to do. And, and I had a boss who retired a, a four star general who told me one time, he said, Oak, leadership is on a scale. He said, on this scale, you have the authoritarian, micromanaging, do it exactly as I tell you to do it guy or gal that nobody wants to work for, that we've all worked for and nobody wants to work for. You hate him. And on this end of the scale, you have Attila the Hun and chaos. And he said, and you want to be as close to chaos as you can get, controlled chaos, but chaos. (laughs) And he said, the reason is, is because that's where creativity happens. That's where you're using other people's knowledge, other people's skills, other people's abilities to get things done. He said, and the way you get as far into that chaos as you can feel comfortable is that, number one, you train them, train your people to standard and hold them to that standard so you know they can accomplish what you're asking them to do. You give them the resources that are required to do whatever it is you're asking them to do, people, money, res- you know, equipment, whatever it is. You give them the authority to make it happen. You can give away all the authority you want as a leader. You can never give away responsibility, that's yours. Your name is always the name on the blame line, but you can give away all the authority you want for them to accomplish what it is you're asking them to do. He said, and then get out of their way and let them do it the way they want to do it. Will they do it the way you want it? You would have done it? Absolutely not, probably, but who cares? as long as they did what you asked them to do, who cares how they got there? And the analogy I always use for that is seven plus two is nine, but so is six plus three and five plus four and eight plus one. How do you, why do you care how you got to nine? You just got to get to nine.
1: I'm uh, taking in what you're saying and agreeing a hundred percent because just to, to recap what Oak just said among many, many other things, thank you for the gold nuggets. Standards, resources, authority, and get the heck out of their way. And that's the hardest
0: part, usually.
1: Right. And, you know, they're never going to be able to do it as good as I can or any leader out there, right? And and, and working with leaders out there, sometimes they get caught up in their own mind. Well, they're not doing it the way it should be done. Well, they can't because they're not you.
0: That's right. But they're going to do it their own way. And that's okay.
1: Yeah, and, and one of the things that we try to encourage people to get their minds around and their operational hearts around is results and desired outcomes.
0: That's what matters.
1: And, and I know you talk a lot about vision and all of that kind of stuff, and that's part of the vision statement, which we may not get to today, but we've also <laughs> talked that uh, I'm 99.9% sure we're going to have a part two with Oak. Yeah, so I'm super excited that. about that. And I wanted to mention one thing that he just um, – briefly mentioned and I didn't do this in the beginning um retired lieutenant colonel oakland McCullough is also an author uh, of the book your leadership legacy becoming the leader you were meant to be so can they find that out there anywhere on amazon or yeah it's on amazon and it's okay. available
0: in hardcover paperback ebook and audible and uh fantastic yeah so all right and i and i read the audible
1: <laughs> even better So uh, I will be picking that up and putting that into my audible library very soon. Thank you for that uh, wisdom there. Let's get back to it. So we were talking about servant leadership and leaving legacies. Let's jump into another subject, which is absolutely critical. And I was just sitting with an industry icon. uh, I'll drop the name Mr. Frank Centner recently, uh, who was talking about being decisive. Yeah. And part of what you teach in leadership is also about being decisive. Expand on that for us, please.
0: Yeah. So I think you got, you know, a leader has to make decisions. That's what, that's why we made you the leader is to make decisions. If if you're not going to make decisions, then we don't need you as a leader. And, and I think, you know, you, you got to make decisions, but you got to, but you got to kind of, and you got to take risk. Mm-hmm. Now there's a difference between a risk and a gamble. A, and the way I define it is, a risk if you if you take a risk and you fail you can recover from that if you gamble and you fail that that's it there's no coming back from that so you got to know the difference but you got to make decisions and when i go around and talk to people organizations i i always find somebody in the organization that that didn't make a decision that hurt the organization and when i go up and ask them so why didn't you make a decision during this at at this point. And the answer I almost always get is that I didn't have enough information. Mm -hmm. And I tell people, look, that world where you have all the information that you want to make a decision, that place is called fantasy land. That place doesn't exist. Okay. Very rarely are you going to have all the information you want. You have the information that you know you have that you're positive of. You probably have a pretty good idea of the information you don't have You may not know what it is, but you know that you're missing that. So make an educated guess, come up with a plan, and let's start down that road. You can always make detours along the way as more information becomes available or as situations uh, become more apparent that maybe you need to make changes. But you got to at least start down the road because, you know, Theodore Roosevelt said one time, and it was this is one of my favorite of his quotes, and I and he has lots of them, but this is one of my favorites. He said, "Anytime you got to make a decision, there's three options. The best option, option number one, which is the best, is you make the right decision. The second option, which is the next best option to take, is that you make the wrong decision, and the third option, which is always the worst, is you don't make a decision." Mm. Because making a decision, not making a decision is a decision, and it is always the worst decision.
1: The best decision, the wrong decision, and not making a decision at all. Yeah. True. Yeah. and, And, you know, that's how also how we grow as leaders is by making that decision. And like we're talking about, we call them lessons, also known as failures. Those are the teachers.
0: They are. And and like we like we've talked before, you know, failures are going to happen. Mistakes are going to happen. I'm sorry. We're, we're nobody's perfect. I keep trying to convince my wife I, I am, but she's not buying it. Um, we're, we're all going to make mistakes and we're all going to, you know, things are going to fail every once in a while. And that's OK. Mm-hmm. It's not, you know, that should never be accepted as the outcome of anything. But every once in a while, it does happen. You gotta figure out, you gotta fix the problem. You gotta figure out why it happened so that it doesn't happen again. And then you gotta move on to the next thing. The, The problem I see is that people are so afraid of failure. And I think part of it is because they have forgotten why they're the leader. It's not about them and their next promotion and their next pay raise. It's about making the organization the best it can be. The people in it and the organization. And you know, when I tell people that, I I always get, especially from young men leaders, they say, but Colonel McCullough, I really want my next promotion. I really want my next pay raise. And I said, I'm I'm telling you, if you do this servant leadership thing right, you'll get it because you're going to make the people better, which then is going to make your organization better, which is then going to show on you and you'll get your promotion, but you get it for the right reasons, not because you were greedy, but because you helped other people.
1: A hundred percent. Fantastic. So let me ask you a question. Uh, what would you say to, the, and I've experienced this in my own leadership journey of over 36 years. What would you say to the leader out there who's either listening or watching this podcast that's thinking, well, I know they're going to fail. I, I, they're, they're not equipped, but we need to make this decision and I want to grow them up as leaders. So I just need to let them maybe fail. Yeah, Should I stop them? Or should I guide them a little bit differently before they head out into it?
0: Yeah. So, I, you know, when, when we talked earlier about giving them all the things they need to get the job done and then getting out of the way, that doesn't mean you wash your hands of it because right. you still are the leader. You are responsible for everything that does or does not happen in your organization. And you don't get to pick and choose, right. which I see all the time today. People say, well, I'm going to take credit for this but I'm not taking credit for that. Sorry, it doesn't work that way. You're the leader responsible for it all. So I think, you know, part of that is that you do make yourself available, one, for them to come back and ask questions. And, you know, they may need to come back and ask for more resources, more money, more people, more whatever. And then you got to make, as the leader, you got to decide if it's worth going further into that or just saying, okay, stop. That's obviously more than we can do. But then you also have to, Make yourself available where you if you see something going off the rails, don't go down and take it over and do it yourself. But walk down and say, you know, in my 40 years of leadership experience, I've seen this done a couple ways. And just throw out some ideas of things that they can then they can take it, maybe make it their own, but use that concept and then get it back on the on track. And I think if you do that, I think you'll see less failures you're still going to have it, have them every once in a while. Okay. But I think you'll see less failures and you'll see the people that you're leading grow because now you've added a couple new techniques to their, date myself here, their card catalog. Um, so, so that they can look back on that and say, okay, well, in this situation I had, I use this. Yeah, he may never be in that situation ever again, but something similar where that, same technique might be applicable for whatever they they come up next that they have to accomplish. So I think the leader has to be involved in that, giving them some advice, being available to answer questions, but you still got to let them own it and they take it and run with it. Because here's the problem. If If you walk down and you take it over, then you have cheated that person out of that experience. So now you are not only, and this is the evil of micromanaging. You are not only cheated that person out of that experience, but you're cheating everybody who ever works for that person out of that experience because they don't have it to pass down. They won't be there available to answer questions and they won't be there available to give them a couple different options when it looks like whatever they've tasked somebody to do is going to fail. So you may be affecting your organization for the next five, 10, 15, 20 years
1: legacy bingo yeah. I, could, I couldn't agree more i was going what you're saying right there absolutely you're cheating Man. them out of their future and their future possibilities of being a great leader
0: yeah absolutely you're cheating them out of experience and 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 that's what leadership is look we can we can bring a thousand leadership experts and i hate that word expert in here and talk about a growing every, leaders yeah it, Talk about everything there is to know about leadership and you can learn it all. But until you go out there and actually do it, it means nothing. It's just knowledge and knowledge isn't leadership. Leadership is an action. Mm. So you got to actually go out there and do it. Practice makes perfect.
1: I love that. Knowledge isn't leadership. Fantastic. You got to do it back to doing it. Yeah. I right? will hear what you say, but I'll trust what you do.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, and I I, I tell every young leader, I said, look, never, ever, ever turn down a chance to be the leader. If somebody walks in the room and says, I got a project who wants to lead, your hand ought to go up. Because good leaders want to lead. I want to be the leader all the time. <laughs> I don't care what it is. I want to be the leader. Now, I know when I walk in my house every night, <laughs> I'm no longer the leader. I got that. There's a reason I've been happily married for 37 years. Exactly. But when I walk out the next morning, I want to be the leader in anything I can be the leader in because that's the only way you get better. And again, I don't care if you've been a leader for 50 years, you can still get better.
1: hundred percent. The day we stop leading is the day we stop growing. The day we stop yes. learning is
0: the day we stop growing all that. And once you stop growing, you're not good you're you're no more you're no good to that organization anymore because as we just discussed in the beginning, things are going to change. And if you're not growing and learning, you've become obsolete to that organization.
1: I've got a sign right here I know you can't see. Don't be settled. Never act like you've arrived. And complacency kills. Yeah, absolutely it does. So I want to jump into one more topic that uh, I want to get to in this session at least. Because you also help teams through your leadership trainings. With building culture and and really just building teams. And I know they're two different topics in your talks, but blend it together for us and and why, especially in today's world, is culture and teams and teamwork so vitally important to the future success of an organization.
0: Yeah. So I I mean one of the things that I talk about um quite often is. Vision, plan, and culture, those Mm -hmm. kind of go together. Mm -hmm. You know, the vision is what you want this organization to be five years, 10 years, 15, 20 years, however far in the future you want to take it. The plan is how you're going to get there. And then the culture is who you are during that journey. And and so you have to decide what your culture of your organization is going to be. Because if you don't, you're going to have a culture. Mm -hmm. It won't be the culture you want, but you'll have one because it it will default to whatever anybody has brought into your organization. And so I, I always tell people, look, building your culture starts with onboarding. you, you got to start from day one, building that culture the way you want in the, in the people who are working for you. And, you know, and I was talking to a gentleman here, I don't know, about eight, 10, eight, 10 months ago here in Daytona. Mm-hmm. And he was taking his business from 21 people to 45 people. Wow. And I said, so, you know, you you got a great culture. How are you going to embed these double the number of people into your culture as you bring them in? And he said, I said, because it takes time, training, effort, money, all those things. And he said, no, you're wrong, Colonel McCullough. And I said, really? And he goes, yeah. He said, all I got to do is hire the right people. I said, Uh good luck with that, young man. Tell me how that works out for you, because it isn't going to, I promise. So culture is huge. And it's the leader's job. to to develop that culture, what you want that organization to be along the journey to your vision. Teamwork is important because they're the ones who are going to get you there. If you think that you as the leader is going to get you from where you are today to where you want to be 20 years from now, you're sadly mistaken because it's not you. It's the people that you're leading are going to get you there. And there's a couple of easy ways to build teams. You got to, they got to get to know each other. You got to get to know the people you're leading. They got to get to know you and the people inside the organization have to get to know each other. And it's all built on trust Mm -hmm. because trust is the glue that keeps it all together. And so I always talk about 360 degree trust, that it's not just the leader led and the led leader, but it's also the people inside your organization that has to do that. You building the trust is pretty simple. you you just got to get out and talk to the people in your organization, get out of your office, get out from behind your desk and get out there and lead in person because nobody wants to follow somebody who sits behind their desk all day. Now, I got it. Leaders got to do certain things behind a desk. But every chance you get, get out and be where your people are. And I had a boss who retired a three-star general. He said, oh, never turn down a chance to go get your own cup of coffee. So two things happen when you do that. Number one, you show everybody in the office that you are no better than they are. You've got to go get your own cup of coffee. Number two, if you're lucky, you got two or three different ways to get to the coffee pot back to your office. And along the way, you stop and talk to people right. and get to know them and let them get to know you. And the hardest part of that, I think, is getting the people on your team to become the community, become the team, the real team, not just a group of people who are sitting in an office, and I was talking to a, a, a guy um, and he said he was having problems with that. And I said, well, let, let's try this. I said, every Friday, make it a no phone call, no text, no email Friday inside the office. Now, I got it. If you got to talk to somebody outside the office, another organization, go for it. But if you if I got to talk to you, Mike, and you're on the third floor and I'm on the first floor, I got to get out of my chair. get get in the elevator, walk the stairs to the third floor and meet you face-to-face and talk to you. He implemented that and he said that it was huge. People actually started to know who people were. He said before that, people knew knew names, but if that person had walked up to them, they wouldn't even know who it was. He said now they actually know each other and they're starting to talk to each other and they're actually learning about each other. And he said the the, the community has really become strong in there he said it's made a difference in his organi- in his organization so you know it it really is about people because that's what leadership's about is people so i think if you can understand that you can start building those teams
1: right and one, one of the things that i've tried to share all of the time is in a business organization we'll go back to the company that had 20 people and i i'll ask that company i'll say who's your number one customer Just to see what they say, right? Yeah. They'll think about it and they'll name a company. I'll say, have you ever thought about it like this? Your team is your number one customer.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Because
1: to everything you were just talking about, you take care of your team because how you take care of your team through server leadership and everything else is how they're going to respond to everybody else who's your customer, your prospect, your community, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And and that's part of that 360 degree trust. Mm -hmm. It's the leader led, led leader, the community, and then outside your organization, how those people on your team deal with people outside the organization, because people aren't going to do business with you. If they don't trust you, I'm sorry. They're you going to go find somebody stress. they do.
1: Yeah. A hundred percent agree. Oh, okay, this has been absolutely phenomenal. Thank you. Uh, and, and I just wanted to get into it. And then I failed to give you uh, your proper uh, due props, if you will. Uh, retired uh, Lieutenant Colonel Oakland McCullough, like I mentioned, he's the author of the book, Your Leadership Legacy, Becoming the Leader You Were Meant to Be. You can find it out there on Amazon. It's on Audible as well and everywhere else. So go grab your copy, hard copy, soft copy, whatever. But it's all based on his 40 years of leadership in the U.S. Army and subsequently in civilian positions, he highlights the principles that will benefit today's leaders. And how does he do that? Well, he's a well-known speaker who gives presentations on the subject and other topics as well, leadership, success, history. And he does you know, many sessions as well. So strongly recommend if you have questions about maybe bringing Oak in, or learning more about what he does exactly, maybe for your organization, how can they reach out to you, Oak?
0: Yeah, so I have a website, um, and you can go on that website, and it's got my cell phone number, my email address. Uh, give me a call, send me an email. We can start that dialogue on uh, if you want me to come talk. I'd love to do it. Never turn down a chance to talk to people.
1: Yeah, and help, right? And serve. That, that's what we're here for. Yep, that's right. Your website, just uh, to remind everybody
0: www.ltcoakmccullough.com oakmacculah.com. L T C Lieutenant Oak McCullough. Yeah,
1: Lieutenant Colonel Oak McCullough. McCullough is M-C-C-U-L-L-O-C-H, right? That's right. Yeah. So check him out. Uh out, go to his website and uh he'll be happy to have a great conversation with you. That's how we met. We connected uh, online and here we are. And I can't wait to continue to grow into the future. And we will schedule a part two because there's so much that we didn't get to.
0: Yeah, I'd love to, Mike.
1: So Colonel McCullough, I heard you say, so I'll properly address you. Uh, Colonel McCullough, thank you.
0: Yeah, uh, thanks for having me. This has been fantastic. It really has been.
1: Yeah, and and there's so much more that we need to get to to help all the leaders and the growing leaders out there. So
0: thank you. And that's what it's about is helping other people. You know, I'm I i, I I'm a firm believer that if we helped one person today, it was worth our time. A
1: hundred percent agree with that. And if you're watching this for the first time and you see me hold up two fingers, that just simply means I second or I agree. So <laughs> I, I've been trained at home not to talk as much. And so I learned hand signals. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you are trainable like me.
1: Exactly. I, I'm on 34 years. So you're on 37. I'm on 34, but. Happily, right? Yes, absolutely. absolutely. Very, very grateful. Uh, Colonel McCullough, thank you. And speaking you. of the first time, if this is your first time on the podcast, welcome. My name is Mike Strom. So I'm widely recognized as a leading author, speaker, and coach for the independent insurance agency industry. You can learn more about what we do at unstoppableprofitproducer.com. If you're interested in learning more about our virtual events, you can go to uppfaststart.com And make sure that you also go to unstoppableprofitpodcast.com, which is where you can find all of our podcasts at. Make sure you go up to the top and hit subscribe so you don't miss one valuable episode. Everything that we teach are all designed to share with you some of our best money-making strategies developed over 36 years as a proud independent insurance agent 100% of the time, all designed to help you grow your business, create wealth, So you too can have more freedom to live life on your own terms. And if you got great value out of the podcast today, please share this podcast with somebody you care about, whether it be another agent, another business leader. Again, just go to unstoppableprofitpodcast.com, share that link, encourage them to subscribe so they don't miss one valuable episode. And there were so many gold nuggets today from Oak. Thank you so much. I've got tons of notes. And you too, by sharing, you will be able to share those nuggets. And like Oak said, I 100% agree. If just one person has been helped by uh, our podcast today, fantastic. And uh, you can find our podcast out there on all the channels, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Amazon, our YouTube channel, and more. Oakland McCullough, thank you, sir. Thanks, Mike. All right, everybody. Until the next episode, get out there and take action. Keep working on your servant leadership. And for today, get out there and serve somebody at the highest level through your servant leadership. You got this. We believe in you. I'll see you in the next episode.
0: Can't get enough of the Unstoppable Profit Podcast? Come join our next live three day boot camp in warm, beautiful San Diego. Invest in your ticket today at BeUnstoppableBootCamp.com. That's BeUnstoppableBootCamp.com.